Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African-American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is the political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades, from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. I want to thank you for joining us for another broadcast of What's at Stake right here on Black Politics Today. As many of you understand and know that uh, in America, we are afforded what is known as our Bill of Rights. We, the people of the United States, In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for a common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. But in 2021, Black Americans don't seem to have any rights. No Bill of Rights, no judicial rights, no due process rights, and certainly no voting rights. So where does that leave us? Tonight, we're going to touch on a few matters and issues uh, in the wake of the George Chauvin uh, trial and the closing arguments tonight or this afternoon, as well as the other shootings, uh, which involve police killings. Uh, Dante Wright, 20-year-old black man, and Adam Toledo, the young kid, 13 years old, out of Chicago. We're also going to touch on um, my friend's article, Dr. Wilmer Leon. We're going to touch on his article as well about hypocrisy and American democracy. And finally, I want to take a look at briefly this new law in Florida that has been signed by the governor that would outlaw Floridians' rights to peacefully protest anything. This law will criminalize Americans' First Amendment. And what, the, what makes the law so bad and so dangerous is that it gives motorists immunity to drive over, to hit, even to kill protesters. It gives them immunity. And the idea that you are taking away the First Amendment rights of people to peacefully protest, but you're given motorist rights that if they run over somebody because they're in the middle of the street, they have immunity, is absolutely ridiculous. They also have this provision in there that will uh, prevent any local government from reallocating resources from the police department to mental health or to anything other than law enforcement, militarization of the law enforcement, and what have you. So what does this all say to white supremacists and, and, and those itching to get at Black Lives Matter? That just like under Jim Crow, they can do whatever the hell they want to do and do it without any problems of what's, you know, without any issue of worrying about what's going to happen to them because clearly nothing's going to happen to them. Just like in Jim Crow Ku Klux Klan, they were the police. Most of their members were the police. So they did whatever they wanted to do and didn't have any consequences. 
folks in Georgia are saying the new voter law isn't Jim Crow, and Ben Carson is saying this isn't Jim Crow. Well, it looks like it to me, because as you put each plot together and you start connecting the dots of what these states are trying to do and what these Republicans are trying to do in these states, they're trying to turn the hands of time back and turn the clock back where they will have immunity to do whatever they want to do. They can be able to put in laws that will prevent black and brown folks from being able to vote, and they'll be able to have the police run rum shot and do whatever they want to do to us, as in the case of a lot of these shootings, and we'll see what the verdict is in Derek Chauvin. But people are nervous, they're scared, and they're looking to try to find out exactly what's going to happen, especially in this case, Derek Chauvin. But laws like this in Florida, they're going to start popping up because a lot of these states wanted to uh, investigate uh, the protesters. They called them Antifa. They said they were rioters. But none of the, in none of the cases did they ever find, quote, unquote, Antifa people, um, except, well, I take that back. I think in Portland they did. But uh, here in Washington or elsewhere, was it, quote, unquote, Antifa or Black Lives Matter, I would say, that were doing the vandalism. It was usually infiltrators who were doing the vandalism and breaking up stuff to try to make it seem like it was Black Lives Matter and to put them on blast. So what is it? Because if you're like me, I'm sick and tired. I mean, seeing as much as we've seen this past week, uh, two weeks from the uh, lieutenant in the Army to uh, uh, Dante uh, Wright to the other brother, there's another uh, kid who just got shot um, uh, in uh, California, Milwaukee, the kid that got shot, jaywalking in California. He gets shot for jaywalking. I mean, all this stuff is just happening. And like I said, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And like you, I feel like there's got to be some more to be done. There's got to be something that we can do. And the question tonight is, if we don't have a Bill of Rights, if we don't have the protection of the Constitution for us, what do we have? What do we do? Where does that leave us? Joining me tonight is one of my favorite guests, a true friend of BPT, Dr. Wilmer Leon III, former adjunct professor at Howard University of Political Science. He's the author of Politics, Another Perspective, Commentary and Analysis on Race, War, Ethics, and the American Political Landscape in the Age of Obama. And he's the host of Sirius XM's Inside the Issues with Leon, Dr. Wilmer Leon, my man. What's up, Dr. Third? Hold on, hold on. There you go. You're unmuted now. Uh, it's you. <laughs> if I had your hand, I'd throw in my feet. <laughs> then we'd be a great combination. <laughs> you walking and me swinging. <laughs> I appreciate you coming back, Doc. Uh, I always am grateful to your your support and your uh, uh, time on the air with us. If you want to join the conversation, if you want to have a comment or question, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. But uh, absolutely, I appreciate you always for joining us and uh, and, uh, being a part of BPT family and uh, just supporting and helping us out each and every time that we reach out to you. But uh, let me let me get started with um, uh, Derek Chauvin and and uh, and what we just saw the closing arguments. 
what were your what was your take on the prosecution and defense arguments? How, how do you see this is going to you know pan out? Well, uh, I thought the prosecution did a phenomenal job throughout the entire trial in terms of presenting their case. It it wasn't, I think, as simple as a lot of people would assume uh, because they've got the nine minutes and 25 seconds of video. Uh, What the prosecution, the challenge that they were charged, I think they were, they were, they, they had two major challenges. One was proving causation mm-hmm. that it was in fact the knee of Chauvin on Mr. Floyd's neck that led to the death of uh, of Mr. Floyd and then that the that that action by uh, former officer Chauvin was in fact excessive then the other thing, which is a little more nebulous, I think that they that they're that they've got to deal with, and we we won't know the answer to this until the verdict comes out, is playing to predominantly a white audience yeah. that is predisposed. Not all people, but but many people, black and white, are predisposed to believe that the police are here to protect them from us. And so when the defense in, uh, brings in drug, drug use, and George Floyd is a very large man, yeah. um, that uh, all this adrenaline was flowing and all of these types of things. Dog whistles. That, huh? Dog whistles. The, uh, exactly. Exactly. So, so I've been saying for a very long time that the prosecution has to pitch a perfect game. They got to throw, they got to throw 12, nothing. All the defense has to do is get one out of 12 yeah. for a hung jury. Yeah. And then depending on if, if there is a hung jury, cause it's not going to be not guilty that, that I, I know it's America, but, but that, that I don't see what I see is a hung it possibly is a hung jury. And so if there is a hung jury, then it becomes the question of what are the numbers? Is it uh, 1 to 11? Right. Is it 2 to 9? Right. You know, it, so, um, uh, so, uh, or 2 to 3 to 2. I'm uh, 3 to 3 to 9. Um, and so those numbers will determine how they proceed from there. But but that's, uh, so, so I guess to, to get to your question, back to the answer question. I thought the prosecution did a phenomenal job, not only in presenting their case, but in their closing arguments. They, in the closing arguments, they, they walked the jury simply through what the elements of the crimes that uh, Chauvin was charged with and what are those elements and how their, how their evidence proved right. those elements. Right. And then the defense came up with a whole bunch of uh, distraction and a, and a lot of hypothetical, but again, to their defense, no right. pun intended, they, they did what they had to do. Right. I mean, they played the game. They, they played the hand they had. They played the game right. they had to play. Yeah. So, you know, I ain't mad at them, uh, but my God, they threw a whole bunch of they, shiggity. They threw, they threw everything <laughs> at the wall. I mean, at one point, 
I, I, I did hear one point. I, I'm trying to remember what uh, Nelson said, where he said, um, um, you know, beyond every reasonable doubt is what you have to look for. And right. there is reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. There's reasonable doubt because you can't have the drugs in your system and every single doctor come up and say it had no effect, no effect, right? And so there has to be some effect. I mean, we can see from the toxicology report that there was drugs in the system, so there has to be some effect, right? His, his arteries are 90% closed. There has to be some effect. And at that point, I, I said to myself, I said, there could be one of those jurors on that, on that thing, uh, uh, jury, that would say, yeah, Right. You know, he ninety percent arteries closed. Yeah, you know, you're you're bound to have a heart attack right then and there. But I was I I uh, um, commend the prosecution. Uh, what's his name Jackson? Is it? Uh, yes. Who came back and said you would have to believe, and he put all those dots up there that for all this time he's lived with those illnesses, with that drug abuse, with those arteries closed, and today. On this particular day, and only for 10 minutes of this day, his heart decided to stop because it was all clogged up, and it had nothing to do with Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck. I was like, but, but you see, I think there was, I think there was also another dog whistle that was being blown by the defense, and that was not so much that the drugs caused it. Right. It was, he brought it on himself. Right. right. Because that's also Had he not been using it, had he not been on it, had he not been in his mouth, had he not forced and resisted, had he not been passively resistant, you know, passively resistant, then it would have never happened. And Just therefore, comply. Right. Just comply. Right. And so... Again, he's he's fishing, he's fishing for that juror who who will say the police are here to. Pe-. I I believe that with Chauvin out on bond, every day that he gets to go home and sleep in his own bed. He's out on bond own, now. He's 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 been out on bond. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he yeah. was. I thought he was still locked up until the trial. I thought he was out on bond. I, I think he's out on bond. Okay, I, I didn't remember that. Okay. Um, I can look, let me see if I can look. So go ahead, I'll uh, look it up. So okay, so my my point is this: if he's out on bond, uh, and I think he is, every uh, every night that he goes home to sleep in his own bed, for him is a win. Right. So. So they, so the the defense fishing for a uh, hung jury. Now it becomes a game of attrition. We got a hung jury. That means you're you're still home. Right. You go home every night. Yeah. You get to sleep in your own bed. Now the prosecution has to decide whether they're going to retry you or not. And so that's going to take some time. Right. Now we got to go through another trial. And you got to go through and another jury selection. And it's going to be an appeal if you lose that one. 
So so now for them, it's 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 a game of attrition, and and so I I'd be very surprised if the defense did not say to him, "We're playing the very long game here." Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it comes back with a guilty, then everything I just said is moot. I think this is part of the thought process that the prosecution is going through uh, with, uh, I'm sorry, that the defense is going through in terms of how they define uh, success or failure. And you see how they brought Maxine into the picture today, too, uh, because of her comment. (laughs) You know, they are so desperate, so desperate. We have been talking about struggle we have been talking about resistance. We have been talking about pushback. We have we have been using this language for generations. Yeah. This is not new. Right. This is not new. Yeah. You know, if you read um, Dr. King's "I Have a Dream," he says at the very beginning of the of the of the uh, of the uh, well towards the towards the beginning of the speech. Uh, uh, we must be concerned about the urgency of the, the, the fierce urgency of now. Right. Now is not the time to take the drag, the, 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 the uh, gradual, the, the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. And, and, and then he goes on to warn America about the world, the repercussions, the whirlwinds right. that are going, you know, basically saying we're going to burn this thing down. Yeah, you keep on. Nobody, yeah, you keep nobody, on. If, you, you know, if you don't, America, if you don't respond, he says, I'm not advocating this, but they're going to burn this camp down. Right. And, you know, we, we, th- this language is not new. That, that, is, that is my right. point. And, right. it, and it was not irresponsible for Congresswoman Waters to speak in the tone in which she did. The only thing I think that she could have said which would have, um, been a, a, a little better is if she would have said, I'm not advocating violence, right. but right. Short, short of that, she's been saying that for four years. I mean, if not longer, but certainly right. these last four years, she's been advocating, look, we're going to, you keep on, we're going to just do this. We're going to do right. this. Right. My, my fear is that you're going to get, the, like you said, it's not going to be a not guilty, but I think my fear is that you will have someone hold out until they get to the manslaughter and then you only get a 10 year sentence. Then he's already been in time served and he'll be out in three and a half years. And they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, he got convicted, but we didn't give him the maximum. Although they did ask for enhanced sentencing, uh, whether or not they get it or not, it depends. And there's another thing that happened here, which, which is out of the norm and it could have an impact. And that is, that the civil suit has already been settled. Correct. For $27 million. million, right. So if you have a juror who is predisposed pro-police, mm-hmm. the, that individual could look at this and say, well, the family got their money. Right. And, 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 and I mean, this is not an irrational thought process. The family got their money. Cops are here to, you know, cops have a tough job. If, 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 if that juror buys into all of that other stuff about, 
the reasonable what what would the reasonable police officer do right, and right. it's a very difficult job and all that kind of and stuff. He always they, has to assess his time and who's there and the people around him. So uh, so the the first um they got their money. I really don't want to send this cop to jail. So I'm going to vote not guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, that's a that's a rationale that could that could be used. And a hung jury comes out of that. And a hung jury comes out of that. Yeah. So why the state threw in the towel on the civil side? Because usually the civil suit comes after Afterwards. the criminal suit. Right. Right. Why the state so quickly settled? And that's a heck of a lot. Right. Now, now of course, we can never. I, I, when I, a life is invaluable. I, I understand right. that. But in terms of these types of settlements, it's the largest. It go. Yeah, you know, usually state because of the insurance, uh, the way that states are insured. Right. Usually, you don't get over ten grand. I mean, ten million. 10 million. Right. Uh, the, the Freddie Gray, the Fed, the Freddie Gray case. I want to say it was twelve million. That's what I'm saying. And that's that, that, was, that was the highest, twelve million. At the time, that was the highest. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Now, what do you think is going to happen with this um, uh, quickly? This uh, Dante Wright case, because uh, the, the idea and I, and um, uh, that uh, she felt like uh, she was holding a taser, not knowing that she was holding her her gun, um, is crazy to me. Um, for those viewers, for those of you who are viewing. Um, I'm going to show this tape. It's, it's about a minute or so. Um, you, you can see it. Uh, it's going to play its entirety. So I just want to give you a warning that uh, what we're going to play. All right, let's see. There we go. Now, woman, look at this. She's talking about I'm, I'm a tase you, and she's got her gun pointed out straight out in front of her. Does she not see that's a gun? I mean, does she not see that's a gun? It, it's pointed straight out in front of her. What I, a lot of people will tell me I'm crazy. I believe that was a horrific, but mistake. She says, taser, 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 right. which is what they say right. when they're about to tase him. Stand back, I'm about to tase him. Right. That is the, and then she, and then she is very surprised. When right. She when says, she oh, I shot him. Right. Um, I think that is just a horrific, horrific mistake. I call it defense. That's the same defense that was used in uh, in Oakland in the in the BART station when the BART cop uh, shot Oscar Grant in January mm-hmm. uh, a number a number of years ago. Right. He said he was reaching for his taser. Now that one I think is a lie, but this one um, I know 
I don't know if, if they were carrying nine millimeters or, or 40 calibers. I think they were probably carrying nine millimeters. Right. They weigh about three pounds. Right. A taser weighs less than a pound. Yeah. Uh, the taser is designed so that it will not be mistaken right. as your service yellow. weapon. Right. It's bright yellow. You put it on the opposite. You put it on the weak hand side of your body. Right. Because you're going to reach with your strong hand for your service weapon. Correct. I understand all of that. But when I hear her yell, and, and to your point, it's quite visible. And, and, and I didn't realize until you just showed this. I kept, because in all the times I've watched this, I asked myself, where does she come from? Because when you when you when the scene opens, you've got one cop on the passenger side, you've right. got another cop on the driver's side, right. and I. But then I realize, She's oh, we're we're side. watching her right. body cam. It's that's right. her footage. Right. So so yeah, when 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 she puts her arm through the window, you see that gun. You're trying to. Stuff. Well, I see it. Why can't you see it? Right. Especially since this is coming from your perspective. Right. She's not but looking at the gun. Again, I, at him. She wasn't hmm? looking at the gun. Right. There you go. Right. But, I think but, this just this is just a it, now. Okay. Right. When I first saw it, I had the same perspective that you did, and I and I remember telling uh, or saying that. Um, and when the cop came out and he and they showed it, the original one they showed, I said, ah. This is going to be ruled an accident, um, and because of how she re- because of how she responded, and the immediacy of how she responded, and because she was saying taser, taser, taser. After I watched it a few times, I had to ask myself, but you know, you trained 26 years, you know that your gun hand, your strong hand, is your gun. So I do agree it was an accident, and it was not necessarily intentional for her to shoot. Um, I think uh, she should be she's going to be held negligent, but I also think that um, Dante and his role was acting reckless to the extent of this right here. He called his mother, talked to her. She told him, don't do anything. Just chill out. You know, just do whatever they tell you to do. You know, don't run. Don't do anything. It was a misdemeanor warrant. Once they got him downtown, they were going to have to release him anyway. It was a misdemeanor. And the, um, the um, what's his name, uh, had, had notified that he had not even received the warrant yet, the notification of the warrant yet, so didn't even know it. So that whole process was like, dude, you got yourself killed for nothing, nothing. in some sense because you reacted and responded. Now think about this. You got three officers there. Why in the hell are you, with everything that we know that's going on, why are you trying to run from a traffic ticket? You can't win. Now, I, I'm, have you seen the video of the white passenger and the white cops? Uh, on the truck? Yes. Yes. How he backed up. <laughs> in fact, I was, trying to, I, I was trying to pull that one up, but I couldn't convert it. I couldn't convert it. Oh, 60, my goodness. They sit man. there and they argue. Argue. And the, and the, and, and the passenger, uh, the cop says, gun, gun. He says, yeah, I got a gun. Right. And I'll shoot you. Right. <laughs> right. And he's and, still holding on to the car, the truck. 
and he backs up, rams a car. And all you hear is, sir, sir, come on. And he takes off. All I want you to do is just get out the car. I'm not getting out the car. Sir, please. All we want you to do (laughs) is just get out the car. I'm not getting out the car. Uh, I'm going home. Right. I'm tired of this. Right. I'm and going home. Don't put your hands on the wheel. Right. Uh, and he, and takes, he off. Off. takes off. Flying. Look. This is not. I, I, I have a 19-year-old son. And I, I tell him, Wilmer, it's about returning home. That's it. The same, in the same condition that you left. Right. I tell my son the same that, thing. That's the win. And unfortunately, we can still do everything right. Right. And, and get way. shot. That's right. But it's a game of probabilities. You're, you're, you're trying to do everything in your power to put the odds in your favor. Yep. And... But one thing I do know, because I, 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 I say this on the show all the time, you know, you hear, you'll be sitting around at the bar or what have you, and somebody will say, some brother will say, I want that kind of fight. I mean, the cemetery is full of brothers <laughs> who, who, who tried and failed. I have yet to meet one. Right, right. One, I have yet to meet one who who has fought successfully. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? What also? What's what's also ironic? Did you see the case of the guy in Virginia, the soldier? Right. That's what's his Eric Garner's cousin, no nephew. Oh, really? The soldier from the lieutenant from a couple weeks ago. Right. That the cops pulled over, Mm. and that's Eric Garner's. Nephew, I think nephew. Get out of here. Now, thank God he's alive to tell about it. Thank God he's alive to tell about it. Um, with the situation that we were just talking about, you know, that reminds me of Amber Geiger, mm. the cop in Texas that shot Botham Jean. She walks into the wrong apartment, right. shoots him in his own apartment, right. sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream. Uh-huh. You aren't even safe in eating ice cream while black right. in your own in your apartment. Home. In your own home. Well, that just happened, she, that just happened uh, um, to a guy, uh, a pastor. Uh, I was just looking up doing research. It just happened to a pastor in um, uh, Kentucky, I think it was. Um, he was at home. He was having a mental, uh, a mental health issue. They said they didn't have any mental health people, so they're going to send the cop. They sent the cop to him. And so he goes out to tase the cop. I mean, he the cop tases him, tases him a couple of times. He gets up in the tase, and then they come back and they shut him three times. And the family is, is sitting there watching the whole thing happen. Black family, white cop. Now, it's crazy. a couple of things. In too many instances, we hear mental health crisis. Right. And the police aren't trained. Because that's not how policing in this country has been designed and implemented through to deal with those types of circumstances. That's it. The police are not are not trained 
to relinquish or give ground. The no, police as a paramilitary force right. have been trained to take and seize ground. Right. They're not, they're not a, trying to, to give up force, give up control. They, they don't know how in, in most, in most uh, departments, they aren't trained to defuse situations, mm-hmm. which is why in too many instances, the cop walks up to your car and the cop brings the attitude into the situation. Right. It takes all the power and blessings within you when the cop, you know, you know why I pulled you over? Right. No, stupid. Right. Tell me why. I mean, why you got to come to me with that? Right. Why can't you tap on my window and say good afternoon or say good evening or good morning? I'm sorry I stopped you, but don't play games with me. Right. I know I was driving 90 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. I know that. I got a speedometer. I know why you pulled me over. I'm from California. I drive fast. And I got a fast car. Right. So, and why did I buy a fast car? So I could drive fast. So, don't, you know, but don't, don't bring, don't bring the attitude. Into the situation. Right, right. Don't start nothing, won't the be beans. nothing. Right. So how do we deal with uh, Adam? How do we deal with Adam's role here? Because uh, he's running away with the gun, throws it away, throws his hands up, gets blasted. As soon as he throws the gun down, the cop has to stand down. Right. He shot an unarmed man. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that, where's the gun? In, in the video, where's the weapon? He and basically what he was told to do. And that's because true too. Because the cop told him that like, show me show me your effing hands and as soon as he turned around show me his hands, he he blew him. Bang. Hey. Right. Drop the weapon, show me your hands. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the cop said drop your weapon, but usually He did you know, say drop it before he got there. He said, Drop it, drop it. And then as okay. he pulled as he as, as he slowed he down yeah, as he slowed down, um, he threw it. You, they, they froze it right there at the point where he was throwing it, and you can see the gun. He throws it, and he says, show me your effing hands, and that's when he turns with his hands up and, and, and bats them. And I, I was saying there, I said, he should have thrown it and kept running with his hands up and then stopped with his hands up and just went up against the fence or something. But all those cases, it's like, you know, what, what's a 13-year-old doing out at 3 o'clock in the morning? The, the, the 19-year-old had the gun. And gave it to him because apparently the 19-year-old was, or the 21-year-old was the one that was shooting the gun. The kid takes it and runs off. Um, I mean, all these cases, although the police actions, we can certainly see where they went wrong. We're adding to the situation by our actions where it could be clear justification on our part. Um, we're muddy in the water where we're not able to definitively say that these folks are doing this, this, and this because of some of the action we're taking. And that's the part that kills me. It's like, if, if we just slow down, stop, and just go ahead and do it, if you're going to be there, take the first step of the punishment, whatever you're going to get, and get out, right? And get out and go from there. Yeah, but you're talking about maturity and being a man. Yeah. You got you to take your hit. You're, you're, you're out here doing what you're not supposed to do. Right. And now you've got caught. Well, you got to take your hit. You got to take it. But unfortunately, 
too many uh, too many people aren't raised that way. Um, Adam Toledo is 13 years old. Yes, he's supposed to be home doing his homework. Yes, he's supposed to be in the house. Yes, there are supposed to be parents in the house overseeing their children. I, I understand all of that. But that's not the reality. Right. The reality is the cop shot an unarmed child. That's true. That's true. And so we have to hold that cop accountable. accountable. And it wasn't dark spotlight. Right. He had the light on him. You can clearly see. Yeah. Hands up. No furtive move. He's not reaching for nothing. His hands are up. Bang. Yeah. He was was doing what he was told to do. He was doing what he was told to do. He was doing what he was told to do. That cop was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So let me move into your article um, that that, that, uh, you provided to us and uh, and talk about it because the the Constitution in in its essence, the the document that's supposed to provide a, a level of comfort for us as Americans and and yet the very document that, that we talk about mentions is right in there. I mean, you know, what what should happen to us as black folks because we weren't even a part of it. But that that very document that we're supposed to pretend and, and be um, provided security for and security with and all things and all rights are supposed to, you know, uh, uh, abridge to us and we're supposed to have that we don't have and we don't get uh, fairly. We're not treated fairly through it anyway. Talk about that hypocrisy that you talk about, even though yours is focused on, on the uh, foreign policy. Talk about it um, also from a, a domestic policy side of things. And then let's just jump into your foreign policy aspect. Well, the piece is entitled The Hypocrisy of American Democracy. And it came to mind uh, a couple of weeks ago there was unre- there was a coup in the country of Myanmar, and their political leader Aung San Suu Kyi uh, was arrested by the military. And President Biden came out and spoke about Myanmar, and even though he called it Burma, um, and said that the rights of the the, the voice of the people. Uh, should be respected, that uh, he he said, uh, in a democracy, force should never seek to overrule the will of the people or attempt to erase the outcome of a credible election. Uh, He also said for almost a decade, the people of Burma, which is now Myanmar, (laughs) have been steadily working to establish elections, civilian governance, and the peaceful transfer of power. The process should be respected. So that, hearing him say that, forced me to ask the question, if you can say this about Burma or Myanmar, why aren't you saying this about Venezuela? Why aren't you saying this about Haiti? Why aren't you saying this about Syria? Why aren't you saying this about Yemen? Why aren't you saying this about Iran? Why aren't you saying this about Iraq? If, 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 if the United States is supposed to be, as Ronald Reagan said, the shining city on the hill, and we hold ourselves out as the bastion of democracy, 
Why are we involved in trying to overthrow so many governments? Why are we trying to overthrow the government of Bolivia? Why are we trying to overthrow the government? Uh, so, so that was that was the basic. And and so the point here is, we're just hypocrites. And America traverses the world, stealing resources, supporting coup leaders and dictators. Um, so long as those coup leaders and dictators are operating in the best interest of the United States. And Joe Biden is a hypocrite, just as so many of his predecessors have been hypocrites. America is not what we hold it out to be. And now we fast forward that or what we do abroad is that why are we supporting Israel while Israel, the, the apartheid state of Israel, is engaged in uh, ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians? And they're doing it with our money. They're right. doing it with our military hardware, as the Saudis are doing to the Yemenis. Um, so let me ask you this. How does that, in essence, make us any different than say Russia or, or China, because Russia's trying to now um, go into uh, Ukraine. They got 80,000 troops um, on the border, right. you know, trying to go in there and, and take, you know, they, they've already gone in. They got in, they went into George, uh, Georgetown or Georgia, and then they moved further uh, west into a, another part of uh, uh, Ukraine. They actually have like a whole about the Donbass, the Donbass region. Yeah, they have that whole uh, uh, eastern. Uh, Those are eastern ethnic port. Russians. Okay. That's that. You're that's not quite right. The what's what's happening here is the Ukraine is trying to uh, entice Russia, trying to egg Russia into a conflict, pretty much centered around the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Russia is building a gas pipeline so that Russia can sell gas to Germany. Right. I know about that. Okay. The United States does now, not they want... Now, they were already selling gas before. Are they yeah, trying because to... there's a Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Okay, so now they're trying to build another pipeline. They're now they're trying to build... Gotcha. A, they, they're just okay. about... A, they got a, less than 100 miles of the pipeline to finish. And right now, the pipelines that are being used run through Ukraine. Uh-huh. Ukraine charges Russia taxes on the gas that runs through Ukraine. Transport, they're called transport fees. Uh-huh. Right, okay. Ukraine makes hundreds of millions of dollars off of these transport fees. The United States does not want Germany buying more natural gas from Russia. Right. They want Germany to buy more expensive natural gas from the United States. Right. So Ukraine, operating as the U.S. proxy, is trying to goad, that's what I was looking for, trying to goad Russia into a conflict so that the United States can turn to Germany and say, look at what these people are doing. Look at, you don't want to do business with this aggressive warmongering country, Russia, you you need to buy your gas from the warmongering country, the United States. So, so, 
so when, when 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 you when you have that, but you have their their previous acts of of aggression in terms of crossing over the border and 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 taking over. Um, is, what's the other part? Of, what's that other city? Are you talking about Estonia? Uh, no, not Estonia. Um, Crimea. Crimea. Yes. Yes. All right. Because they took Georgia, then they took Crimea, and and I mean, essentially, you know, Putin says I'm taking it, and and I'm putting over. You know. No, 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 my... no, no, no. That's not what happened. Okay, what the happened? Cri- no, the crime. See, you'd have to go back before World War Two, and and understand the history of the region. The people in Crimea are what are known as ethnic Russians. That's they speak right. Russian. Yes. They yes. are Russian. Yes, they they are. see themselves as Russian. Yes. They voted to go back to Russia. They don't like the Ukraine. And so all Russia did was say, if you guys want to come back home, we'll welcome you home. And they voted. And here is, here is, here is Joe Biden again. You know, these people voted. They held an election. And in the election, they decided they want to go back to Russia. So Russia didn't go in and militarily take over the joint. These are Russians. Any these have they've been Russian people since like Alex, uh, the uh, uh, Queen Alexandria the second or something like that. Okay. Um, this is you got to be really really careful. How, when you when you're reading mainstream American media about these kinds of issues, you've got to be really really careful because the way that the U.S. is presenting the issue, they are setting us up to believe something that isn't true. This whole thing about Alexei Navalny, the dude that's in prison, that uh, right. that they allege that the Russians right. poisoned. Right. That, that, that's also tied to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. They are trying, the United States is trying to create this narrative. They're doing everything possible, Germany, from buying gas from Russia. They want Germany to buy the gas from us. And so uh, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know Alexei Navalny, but what I do know, for example, he's being presented as an opposition leader. Right. He's no opposition leader. He doesn't get any more than 2% of backing by people in Russia. He's like David Duke or I mean, a he's a he's a racist, he's an ultra nationalist, he's a white supremacist. He's he's like he's like Lan, uh, LaRue. La, La, oh, what's the guy's oh, name? I remember um I know you're talking about the ran for president. Uh, uh, um, Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah, Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah. Was, would you have ever considered Lyndon LaRouche to be an opposition leader? Because yeah. nobody backed him. Right. Alexei Navalny is the same way. No, he, Less than 2%. The United States elevated him to this level so that they could create this narrative that Russia is oppressing dissent and therefore we need to move against them. They're trying everything in their power to paint this thing so that when we do move on them, the same way, I always go back to this, where are the weapons of mass destruction, boys and girls? Right, yeah. 
you know, for those who say, oh, oh, the, the, the United States government would never tell us a lie like that. Right. Oh, they would never. No. Where are the weapons of mass destruction? Right. Where is the yellow cake uranium? What happened to the relationship between Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden? All of that stuff was lie, 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 lie. This is lie, lie, lie. Now, let me, I'll wrap it up with this. I don't know Alexei Navalny. I know some people who do. And I know people that have gone to Russia and interviewed him and have seen him at rallies mm-hmm. and tell me this dude is a big, fat nothing burger that the United States is creating. So I don't know him, never seen him. I don't know if he was poisoned, but the story doesn't make sense. They allegedly poisoned him with one of the most lethal. That's, yeah, I, I, I was poisoned. just getting ready to say, I mean, you know, he must have a veins and stomach cast iron because they... When they said they poisoned him uh, and, and then gave him some nerve gas, too, or but something no, like that? Novichuk, the most this yeah. agent is so deadly that you can't even use it. Yeah. Because when you use it, you'll kill yourself. <laughs> the story doesn't make sense. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516 516- Five nine zero zero one four three. You can hit us up on uh, uh, in the chat box on uh, on uh, uh, Facebook or, or um, YouTube. Hit us up. Final there. point. Final point. Go ahead. When the when the CIA or the KGB and they're not called the KGB, and I don't know what they're called, but when the CIA or the KGB or the Zionist Israeli Mossad wants to kill you, they usually kill you. They don't. That's miss. true too. That's that's they don't miss. Yeah, that 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 I will that that I will say. Yep, that that is true. That and is now true. they've missed this dude three times. Three times, right? <laughs> nah, nah. As, as Russians would say, knock, knock, knock. So speak to the idea of 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 our 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 constitution, and as I as I open up with, but also from where where you're coming from on on your piece of hypocrisy, yeah. of how. Our constitution doesn't even protect us. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, um, give us or afford us the true bill of rights that we're supposed to have. Well, starting off with the three-fifths compromise and the fugitive slave provision, and the fact that it, the importation of enslaved Africans was permitted uh, for 25 years after the constitution was ratified. Um, no, we were never intended to be included. Um, Taney told us that in the Dred Scott case, that we have no rights that a, that a white person is bound to respect. We were, we were never to be brought into the, the, the society and, and, and the culture. Um, uh, and, and we find that now, now, so legally, you know, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, the 16th Amendment, um, all of that, yeah, on paper, been included into, into the society. But you can't legislate the hearts and minds of people. Right. So I would ask those who want to debate this, just look at the laws that were just passed in Georgia, the voter suppression laws that are that were just passed in Georgia. Look at this latest law that's been signed uh, in Florida. Right. Uh, you know, all we're trying to do, all we're trying to do is have equality. We're not asking for anything more than equal. 
That's all we've ever asked for. It, it really is. All we yeah. want is equal. Mm-hmm. Why is it that those in power in this country who claim to be Christian, right. and I believe that when you say you're Christian, that means that you are trying to be Christ-like. Right. Well, as a Catholic who was sentenced to do one to 12 years in Catholic school and did all 12 because I, I wasn't, there was no parole or probation, that's not the, that's not the Christ that I was taught about. <laughs> that's not how dude rolled. Yeah. Right. No. What's the greatest commandment? Well, of the ten? Right. Thou shalt not kill. No. But love thy neighbor. Oh, love Love, thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as yourself. You know? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. Um, So, this is really, to me, this is where you have to get to the crux and to the soul of America. And this also points to the hypocrisy of the country. You know, Jerry Falwell and all of all of them who stand before their congregations and preach all this foolishness and all this hatred. You're not Christian. Who am I to judge anybody's faith? I'm not judging your faith. I'm looking at your yes. actions. That's right, your actions. That's not Christ. Your, your actions are showing me exactly who you are. <clears throat> and it ain't Christian. Right. I mean, this... So, uh, this uh, America First Caucus policy paper that we were talking about earlier, um, where it's a white supremacist document, right? Um, America was founded on the basis of individual and state sovereignty. Oh no, that's not I'm, immigration. I'm sorry. America First Caucus recognizes that our country is more than a mass of consumers or a series of abstract ideas. America is a nation with a border and a culture strengthened by a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. <laughs> History has shown that societal trust and political unity are threatened when foreign citizens are imported in mass into a country. Did they not forget they are the ones that have been imported? Irish and Italians, Germans, Donald Trump's parents were German and Swedens. They were immigrants. But they want to talk about these immigrants and how they don't contribute to society. You brought our behinds here so that we can build this country. And after we built it for your behind and you wealthed and created and got all the wealth from our building, now you're trying to use every procedural policy, legislation, gun, <laughs> bullet, anything you can to control us, to keep us out, and as you said, to not recognize the equality of what we were promised in the founding documents for which we say we stand on. We are seeking justice. At the end of the day, That we're seeking justice. Right. Those uh, insurrectionists that had the failed coup on the 6th of January, they're seeking retribution. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference between the two. 
in the in the you look at the protests for the most part that that we're involved in black lives those are peaceful protests demanding more times than not as you talked about at the top it's agent provocateurs that come in and disrupt the whole thing to make it appear to be right an uncontrollable riot right these folks on the 6th of January, as well as the uh, America First Caucus, that whole American America First Caucus thing is built on retribution. It's not built on justice. It's not built on equality. These are racist, misinformed white supremacists. This is not justice. Yeah. This is not democracy. No. This is not fairness. This is not equality that they're seeking. Not at all. Not at all. No. And and no. some of the things that they and as I talked about in the top, some of the things that this law in Florida is going to be doing is it's really uh, a law specifically designed to stop Black Lives Matter. Um, it's it's looking to create a a false narrative of violent protests because they're walking down the street and giving them the authority to then be able to arrest them and prevent them from their due process, right? And I talked to the top of the due process. They want to arrest them and keep them in jail until they have a hearing for which then they decide when that hearing is going to be so that they cannot bond out after being arrested for basically civil disobedience or trespassing, which is a misdemeanor, and you can go on and go about your business. They don't want to do that. So under the law, Penalties will be enhanced for crimes committed during the riot or violent protest. It allows authorities to hold arrestee pro- uh, protesters until the first court appearance, uh, a violation of their due process. And it established new felonies for organizing or participating in violent demonstrations. It strips local governments from civil liability protections if they interfere with law enforcement's effort to respond to a violent protest and add language to state law that could force local governments to justify any reduction in enforcement budgets. And then it enhances, oh, and then it protects the, the, uh, the defund the police, the defunded police movement. But then it also, uh, will also make it a second degree felony to destroy or demolish a mural plaque flag painting structure of other commemorative historical, um, uh, people or events. And it brings a 10 year sentence. You know, they, they don't want you messing with their monuments of, of uh, uh, David Lee, sure. you know. Uh, now, this is, a lot of this is stemming from the January 6th failed coup. Because it, it's not a coincidence that as a result of that failed insurrection, mm-hmm. there was all this talk about enhancing domestic security all of this see this is riding on the tails of that so-called domestic threat and they're clamping down on civil liberties and civil rights and the first amendment right to freely assemble to redress grievances to the government this is not a coincidence and this is not um I forgot now the name of the governor. DeSantis. DeSantis, yeah. Rick DeSantis in Florida. Mm-hmm. This is not 
this is very well thought through and planned out. This is a big, a lot of folks see, again, the narrative. You've got to be very, very careful about how the mainstream media is being used to create this narrative about civil unrest and all of a sudden we've got to protect the country. Right. Mm-hmm. No. All the FBI had to do was do its damn job. They had they the information. Knew, they knew that this was going to happen on January 6th. Yeah, they had the information. They knew it was going to happen. Yeah. They didn't do their job. They interviewed people beforehand and said, you know what, stand down, don't go, don't come to D.C., don't bring your guns. But, but, but they knew it was going to happen. Yeah. This is the same overreaction that we had as a result of September 11th. We are now, 20 years later, finally getting out of Afghanistan, allegedly, because of an overreaction to something that many believe they knew was coming. And we didn't. We let, well, what does what um, uh, Naomi Klein say in Shock, shock Doctrine? Don't, 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 ever let, uh, don't ever let a calamity go, go unused. Used. Something like that. Um, So, folks, you got to be very, very careful because history has told us who the targets of these types of repressive legislative pieces are going to be. Who the victims are. Us. Us. Going to be us. It was called COINTELPRO when when, uh, FBI director, what was his name? The Um, dude that was uh, a transvestite. uh, Jagger Hoover. Hoover. When J. Edgar Hoover was doing it, it was called COINTELPRO. Now, it's whatever they call it in Florida. It's the same game, boys and girls. It's the same game. So what's at stake for us, uh, Doctor? What, 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 do we have to look out? what do we have to look out for? Because with these laws coming up, with the voter uh, suppression bills and, and the, the attachment to everything else that they're throwing into these bills, with uh, uh, the Congress and the Senate, you know, uh, Senate being as tight as it is and nothing, you know, passing through that and, and how we're going to go about with reconciliation or anything else. And the realization that redistricting and reapportionment is coming up and literally uh, this is uh, April, May, June, July, August, September in five months, uh, you have the, 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 the uh, jurisdictions going through their uh, reapportionment and, and uh, uh, redistricting. We are, I mean, the target is us. We are the target for 2022. What is it going to take? What's at stake for us? But what is it going to take? And how do we respond? Because if we are not mobilized mentally, socially, economically, politically, politically. we are effed. Okay? There you go. So what is it that we have to do? And how do we uh, 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 do this? And how do we deal with it if, if what you're saying, dealing with the mainstream media, how do we deal with this? Because that is the source that we're utilizing to recognize what we have to do. How do we get closer to the action to know what's at stake for real? You, you've, got, you've got to be talking. You've got to be engaged. Look, they're attacking social media. I, there was a time when I could have said, well, you know, social media, but they're deplatforming people, right? They're taking progressive uh, journalists and other folks off of Facebook, off of Twitter, off of these other platforms, um, 
the, the overall big picture is this. We have transitioned from a unipolar to a multipolar world. And unfortunately, the American empire has not made the adjustment. Yeah, they, right. So what do I mean by that? China, Russia, Iran, uh, Venezuela. They are now, I wrote a piece called The Non-Aligned Nations of Realigned. I think I sent that to you a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. The piece is called The Non-Aligned Nations Realigned. And the, the point of that piece was that based upon the response to the U.S. sanctions regime, a lot of these countries, China, Russia, Iran, Venezuela, they are now forming coalitions they to are. combat us. Right, they are. Because we are fighting a losing game. Yeah. In fact, we've already lost the game. Yeah. And we, just we're the whistle hasn't up. blown yet. We're, we're playing that's all. Up. Yeah. That's all. So that's on the international front. But the same thing's playing out domestically. The same thing is playing out domestically. We have got to internationalize, as Dr. King did, as Frederick Douglass did. We have got to internationalize our struggle. And we can't sleep on this thing. Joe Biden is not the answer. He can be a vessel for us to move forward if we play it. But we can't sit here and rely on Nancy Pelosi. She's not going to do it. We can't sit here and rely on Chuck Schumer. We can't sit here and rely on AOC. No. No. Brothers of the street got to work it out. As the song said, you know, we organize, organize, organize. Yeah. You're losing your vote. Yeah. They're shooting you down the street. I want to say like dogs, but if they shot a dog like that, they'd go to jail quick for shooting a dog like that. Um. So we have. I mean, isn't that amazing? I I didn't mean to interrupt your thought, but if you shoot a dog, you instantly go into jail. You yeah. can shoot a black man, and you you can wait a year before you even get charged, if you get charged at all. We've got to be incredibly discerning. So I'm not saying don't read the New York Times. I'm not. I'm saying you have to be very discerning in what you read. You have to go against multiple platforms. So you can read you the New York Times, multiple L.A. Right. Times, Chicago Tribune, something like that. You've got to read them all. Don't take just the first issue and take it and run with it. But if you so so to answer your question, what do we do? You who are watching this or and listening to this, obviously by the fact you are, you, you you that already tells me you're thinking about something. So you now have to find like-minded individuals, and you all have to start organizing within your living rooms, within your front yard, move out to your block, and you have to start making change right around where you are. Mm-hmm. And and that's how this thing grows. It's got to be organic from the bottom up. Especially in those red states. You've got to get if out If you're there. waiting for the next Dr. King, yeah. you be the next Dr. King. Right. What would, Where would we be if Dr. King had waited for the next Dr. King? Where that's would it. we be? If when they came to him for the Montgomery bus boycott, what if he had said, no, you know, I'm just going to – in fact, actually, he did initially right, right. say no, but was convinced. But what if he had just said, no, I'm going to let somebody else do it. I'm going to chill here in Atlanta. I'm going to let somebody else do it. That's it. That's man. what I mean when I say 
Don't wait for the next Dr. King. You be the the next Malcolm. You be the next Medgar Evers. You be the next Fannie Lou Hamer. Yes. Because what if if Malcolm had waited for the next Malcolm? Where would we be? Well, that said it. That's why I say my favorite guest every time. Never never doubt, never disappoint. It's always there. With a little with a little teaching at the end, he's gonna always give us what we want for. So Doctor, I appreciate you. I thank you so much. Black people, I tell you each and every week, figure out what's at stake for you and your family. It's social, it's economic, it's political. But Doctor Doctor Wilmer told us today, it's everything. And I tell you each each week it's everything also. Because as I you have to be sick and tired as much as I am of seeing what we're seeing, hearing what we're seeing and watching what we're watching and not seeing any repercussions or any uh, forceful uh, action against what we're seeing. Now, granted, I'm giving Stacey Abrams and Latasha Brown the props in Georgia because they're doing what they can do and they're pushing it hard. And what they've done has really set the stage for what's coming in 2022. Because had they lost, the dynamics in the situation would have changed greatly, Dr. Wilmer, because had they not been able to do what they did and not push it, they wouldn't have stopped. But it would have taken sort of like that air out of that balloon of expectation and hope, and it would have moved it because there's no one else out there like Stacey doing what she's doing, except her and Latasha. And, and real quick, that's a perfect example because, for example, I disagree with her point on Major League Baseball leaving, t- taking the All-Star okay. game, oh. and I'm a big baseball fan, mm-hmm. taking, taking the All-Star game out of, out of Georgia. I disagree with her on that point, but that's just one point out of ten. Right, right. That, so there are nine other things that I disagree with. So too many of us would sit back and say, "Oh, I don't like what she said about so and so. I'm not going to deal with her." Right. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I disagree with that one point, but I do see the value in her overall platform. Correct. So I back her a thousand percent, and then I just express my differences on that one point. One point. And 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 to that one point, I said last week. Corporate America, if corporate America had the backbone and gumption to decide to divest themselves out of participating in elections on the GOP side, you would see a great number of change coming in those states, in my opinion. Because if corporate America does not back the GOP and the manner in which they do, and they just cut them off at the knees and doesn't give them another dime because Mitch McConnell said, Stay out of politics. He was Fine. right. I will stay out of politics. I will not contribute to you, the party, or anyone else for one election cycle. One election cycle will destroy them to the point where they will change their laws, they will change what they're doing, and they will wake up and say, okay, they'll find other ways to do it, and they'll get corporate America back in their pocket again. But if corporate America were to do that, as they say they are – against the voting rights or against the, the legislation that they're doing, that would be a great statement that corporate America say, because then they will also be patriots of the country as opposed to just users of the company and using us and our effort and not paying any darn taxes whatsoever to house themselves in America. That's why they always want to go overseas, take their profits overseas, but they want to use overseas labor and never use American labor and pay American taxes so that we can build ourselves in our own country up. That's my take on them. We'll talk about them next week, again, the corporate America. But I want to thank you again, doctor. I appreciate you every time. 
We are publishing your uh, article, so it will be in the next issue of BPT Magazine. So I will let people know to go to it, to read it. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? I did not put your stuff up. I didn't get a chance to. Well, you got my name up there, WilmerLeon.com. That's, That's it. where you go. WilmerLeon.com, and he's on XM Radio on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m., channel 126. Don't miss him. Take care of him. Watch him out there. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate you, sir. I'll see you You next time. Until next time, if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.